I'm sorry, Mr. Cross, I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Why not? Well, specifically, you can see her nipples. I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. Merry Christmas, Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's a Friday morning pod. Friday morning pod. I've got the day off work. Oh, really? Yeah, I was meant to be deep sea fishing today, but the weather in Sydney is shite. Yeah. So no no fishing today, unfortunately. Deep sea fishing's mad because you sometimes you catch those weird mutant fish. <laughs> yeah, I caught one. The old mutant fish in South Florida. What did you? What was it? It looked like the three-eyed fish from The Simpsons, but with two eyes. I think it had. Um, yeah. I think in the in the water pressure in its journey up, it had uh, kind of transformed a little bit. I felt it was so bad because yeah, right. we threw it back and it just kind of floated there. Yeah, felt so bad. <laughs> And, man, we just dropped yeah, a line. So like it was some of us had fishing rods and some of us just literally dropped a line like from a reel and it just it drops. It takes so long to get to the bottom. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And then we ate mahi-mahi for three days. Oh, how good. So good. We caught, we did the, so this guy we go, it's a charter and a few of uh, regular mates go out on it. And, uh, yeah, we one, we usually go kingfish, but yeah, we went the mahi one day, the dolphin fish, right? Uh, some may know it, or dollies. Yeah, does it have a different name? Down with the lingo, dolphin fish. Yeah, yeah, because I had never heard of it until I went to over. Not as appetizing, is it? Yeah, dolphin fish. Exactly, that's what John West rejects. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I did not reject. It was delicious. We caught like sixty. We didn't keep that many, obviously. Um, we were frugal. Yeah, um, it was the best day ever. Uh, speaking of best day ever's, we are starting our Christmas <laughs> period. Man, that house behind you is wow! Wow! Oh, my background, my Zoom background is very festive. Yeah. Uh, there's Christmas trees and such. Some rich person's house. How tall do you reckon that Christmas tree is? Well, I'm six two, so I assume that's. Mm. It depends. Yeah. Uh, it's all relative, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Greg has a Sally Field background, equally festive. Yeah, I like if you put those two together. Has she ever played Mrs. Claus? Because she is very much that. And you may be offended by this, Greg, but it's the truth. She'd make a great Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Like, well, she played Mrs. Yeah, Lincoln. That's similar. Did she? Iconic beards and such. She's she's a festive human. Um, she is. She's a delight. She, yeah, you could see her sipping brandy by that or eggnog by that fireplace in your background. You could. Um, in Utah. You in Utah? Looks like it could be Utah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, our first Christmas movie of the year. Yes. Scrooged. Scrooged. <laughs> Man, what a double-barreled delight for Greg Carney. It came out in 1988 and based on a novella. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's where the fun stops. Um, it's uh, these are a few of his favourite things. Yes, two few of my favourite things. <laughs> uh, 1988. We haven't been here for a little while. It's been a while. It has been a long time, actually. It has. We had a run. The last one was with Gerard Milligan, and we thought maybe we won't go down too far the Expo rabbit hole with a stranger yeah. from America. We didn't. Who were trying want to impress? To weird him out. <laughs> yeah. Mm. We're trying to play it cool. He's a cool guy. Yeah, we're like, we're cool too, man. Yeah, yeah, Expo, we don't talk what's about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know about it. <laughs> Never heard of it. Big lie. All right, what's the Expo 88 update this week, Greg? All right, so the I thought I'd take us back to the origin story of Expo 88. It will only happen once in your lifetime. The world. Its nations, achievements, sensations. It's 
So, um, as we all know, Brick's Brisbane Expo 88 took place, as the name suggests, in 88, opened up by Queen Elizabeth II on April 30th. Um, but that day was really the culmination of uh, the vision of architect James McCormick as Architecture Australia magazine pointed out when they did a 30th anniversary deep dive back in 2018. Mm. Uh, so we are obviously a few years past that now. Oh, yeah. So I think I have talked about James McCormick before. He's very much known around the streets of Brizzy as the man who dreamed up Expo. Did he pass away recently? Potentially. Uh, was no, that, that was that a guy? different guy. I don't Mr. know. Esp- Is that the same guy, Mr. Expo? I think so. I feel like. Sir, yeah, are there other ones? Oh, mate, that's a good question. I, I feel like that other guy was different. Mm. Well, I guess, you know, we'll never know. Yeah. There's no way of finding out. A man, no way. Yeah, you'll have to wait. But in the meantime, so this chap, the man who dreamed up Expo, not to be confused with Mr. Expo. Of course. Uh, who I believe was in the more in the political circles whose names escaped me, uh, RAP. He passed away recently. We covered him. Oh. Um, but... But old Jimmy Jimmy Mack, as we, we like to call him now, uh, he was the principal architect of the Commonwealth Department of Works. Back in the 60s, Tristan, it goes right, it goes right back. Mm. It goes right back. Mm. Uh, this was a little seedling of an idea back then. He'd, he had uh, he'd worked on some Expo-y type things. I think Australia's pavilion, uh, pavilion at the 67 Expo, which was, of course, in... Montreal, you were about to cut me off. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he was an expoman, mm. and he got the idea for this whole shenanigan happening in Brizzy when he was speaking to the mayor of a, one uh, Spokane, which I believe is a small town somewhere in America. Are you familiar with Spokane? Spokane. Spokane. It's fun to say. It is. I could be mispronouncing it. Uh, so yep. he was like, mate, how did you – in such a small city, managed to get in Expo. And then he's like, well, we have this slum area, so we basically were like, we need to get rid of the slum. They got a bunch of architects who are, you know, basically the Avengers of buildings right. coming together to yeah. solve a problem, slum. How do we move these poor people on? Pretty much. How yeah. do we dress well? To put some tinsel around the poor person, that dials them up a bit. Yeah, interesting. That's another way. That's just another way in, but they didn't go down that route, obviously. Was um, Ebenezer Scrooge involved in any of this? He will be. Or a, or a network executive? There would have been executives <laughs> at, at times. There's always. There's, well, interestingly, Tristan, it's funny you say that because mm. there was some executive slash red tape at play. Oh. He borrowed this idea. He said, okay, why don't we do the same on the Brisbane River there at Kangaroo Point? There's not a lot doing there. It's a lovely spot. We yeah. need to get this going. So they put some designs together. They ran them in the Courier Mail, which is the Brisbane um, main uh, press, the main paper there, of course, Yeah, uh, as well as Canberra, hit the pollies. Uh, and uh, it wasn't getting a lot of traction, Tristan. It, there was some red tape involved. There was some Scrooge-type behaviour happening. Oh. Um, then President uh, – sorry, President <laughs> – Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser. Oh, yeah. Quite famously, he uh, fell off a horse or something. Right. Um, and he had to sort of step aside as Prime Minister – and they brought in another Prime Minister, uh, Doug Anthony, for a period. I think he was only there for a few months. And as soon as he went in, he approved it. Right. Yeah. Scrooge was on the sideline. Uh. So um, little Timmy <laughs> gave it the green light. Uh, sorry, Doug. Oh. And um, away they went. Timmy would have been better, but yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So wait, so do they have to pitch for it like the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So you got to get you've, you got to get like you got to get local alignment and you know the, to to enter the tender process. Yeah. And then, uh, but I don't know. It, it, this one seems to focus more on that side of it. This article I've read in yeah. Architecture AU. Yeah. Um, it doesn't talk too much about the other side of it, but that must exist, right? But maybe they'd already. Maybe that's an easier part of it. Maybe I, I don't, don't know. know. It must. Maybe have, Expos aren't as sought after as Olympics. Yeah, or maybe they were. And now it's just Olympics. Mm. Maybe Olymp- Maybe Olympics is the modern expo. In many ways. Hearts and minds. Yeah, in the same way that you uh, – it's also about money to fix up an area and then build a stadium for Adele to perform in. It's um, mm. a similar kind of thing. 
Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um, 88, big year for expos, uh, big year for high divers and the like. Yep. Big mm-hmm. year for movies too. It was. It was. Number one film in the world, Rain Man. Isn't that bizarre? I don't think you'd see something like that nowadays. Mm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, number two, Rain Coming Man to two. America, Crocodile Dundee 2, Twins, Rambo 3. Uh, there's many things. Die Hard. Mm. Die Hard. Mm. Yes. We're coming in at number 17, a little film called Scrooged. That's quite surprising, isn't it? Top twenty, and if you look, and it didn't—I don't think it got released outside the US in the cinema. And so, if you look at the domestic number there, it's actually—it actually came in at number fourteen, which again, this wow. surprises me. It surprises me. Wow. Yeah. Came out in November of nineteen eighty-eight. Budget of thirty-two million dollars. Gross of a hundred point three million dollars. Wow. Hundred million dollar movie in eighty-eight. It's a Christmas. A, it's a Christmas movie. B, it's like. It's around, but it's it hasn't become one of the classics. It, it's just that's a surprising no. number. It's a it's a B side, yeah, of Christmas films. Definitely, fuck, that's very astute on your part. It's very astute on your part. Interestingly, also Rotten Tomato scores. I mean, again, not uh, uh, not that I hate this movie or anything. Rotten Tomato scores are quite high. 69 percent. Oh, they're docking score. as well, aren't they? <laughs> Pretty much. 69% that's, critic score and 71% audience score. It's a doc. <laughs> It'll do. Yeah, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> they can make it, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Google docking if you. <laughs> but images. don't. Or don't. <laughs> um, Image, images. Was this a big movie for you, Greg? Docking was definitely invented <laughs> on, a rainy, on, a, on a rainy day. <laughs> a couple of lads sitting around going, what else can we do? <laughs> well, hear me out. Uh, uh, this, um, this was not a big movie for me, Tristan. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. So I was quite keen to do it, which was bizarre because I love Bill Murray. Um, yeah. And I love A Christmas Carol. I love the I love the story of a Christmas Carol. It's a classic. I've seen it in many forms. Yeah, Muppets. Um, it, I love Muppets. Yeah, uh, Mickey. Oh, a couple yeah. of the cartoon, other like just sort of cartoon ones. Even yeah. the live action ones I used to love. Yeah, it just it just used to hit the right notes for me. A Christmas Carol. It was sort of had you know ghosts and it was dark and wintry and kind of scary. Mm. Today, sir, why it's Christmas Day? Yeah, and then obviously a happy ending by a humbug. Yeah. Um, I've read the novella, of course. I think we had to do it at school at one point, and it was short, and novellas were short. Great sleeping attire. Oh yes, bedpans though. I never quite did. He have a could bedpan? get my head around. No, I could never quite get my head. Oh, he did. I think he did. Oh wow, I might have made that up. He probably did. Wow. Well, because so when did, when did we get a toilets? Kind of guy. Yeah, when I used to watch on Deadwood. Did you ever watch Deadwood? No, you should though. It's good. No, no, you said that. I need to. I need to get around it. They have piss pots in their bedrooms, which that's a bedpan, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but you don't put it in your bed. It's just kind of in the corner of the room, and you piss in it. Yeah, is that what? Well, it, at least that's how they did it in that show. That's more the old. I think West. that's what a bedpan is. I think it just goes next to you. Yeah, maybe the that's bed. the maybe that's the neater version. It's like something a bit more classy. Yeah, versus just a pot in the corner. <laughs> Pot to piss in, yeah. As it were. Ah, yeah, of course, that all makes sense now. You don't have a bedpan; doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm gonna try it though. This one wasn't as a huge one for me, though. Although <laughs> yeah, I had what seen about it. you. Yeah. <laughs> I had seen it, but yeah, not as not, yeah. a, not a huge one. I think it was on TV a lot, and yeah. I think I just caught bits and pieces over the years. I watched yeah, it. Right. I watched it properly for the first time in the last couple of years. Around Christmas season. Yep. Was it just on a streamer and you were like, ah? Yeah. And I was like, hey, I love Bill Murray. I love this mm-hmm. movie. And it was all right. Do you, are you a Christmas Carol guy? Yeah, I think so. I, the 
I think I saw the Muppets one at the cinema, like around Christmas as well, yeah, like right. on, on okay. like a grandparents trip or something. I wonder when that came out. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's when it came out, if it was just a screening of it or something, or maybe it was when it came out. When was that? 92, yeah, it probably was. It came out in 92. Yeah, okay. That was delightful. Had Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I, I promise to protect you. Bah, bug. Your father. Sworn, your father. Come with me and you'll see. Oh, yeah. I could watch that. Yeah. I might I, watch that. It's it's on Disney Plus. It was in the rotation yeah. on the top page uh, for a while there. I think I might. I'll it watch it this Christmas. Really? Maybe. Yeah, man. They get scared of anything. <laughs> Pussies. Yeah, man. I got scared of Dark Crystal, so I don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, sometimes I call Ara, my wife, uh, wife of the show, Ebenezer Scrooge because she has this, like, <laughs> hilarious nighty she wears sometimes. <laughs> and I find it so funny. That's like a Scrooge one. <laughs> yeah. Like a, she just needs length. a little hat. Yeah. So I call her Ebenezer. Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't like that. <laughs> well, you know, you wear the. Don't wear it then if you don't like it. Yeah, you, know. you gotta get a. You gotta cop it. What do exactly. you expect? Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, again, great bedroom attire in, in maybe not in this film, but in uh, the Scrooge stories historically. The hat, little hat. I would love a little hat, a little lamp. Yeah, I'd wear a nighty. Yeah, and then a bedpan. Why not? Save me getting up three Guys times are a night. Guys rocking all kinds of. Uh... I think caftans are kind of in for men in Europe, aren't they? Is that a caftan? Oh, yeah. We talked about this a while back, I think. You shared some... Uh, Dresses, basically. There was, some, there was some cool guy on Instagram with them or something. Air, air quotes, yeah, cool guy. Yeah, probably that. Yeah. Not Nick Wooster, but that other guy. That kind of guy. That yeah, exactly that kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> All right, should we get into the origin story? Please. Origin story. Oh, man, it's based on a novella, Greg. The day has finally come. Hallelujah. Can you put in hallelujah? <laughs> sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> a novella. An old one. Came out in 1843 uh, by Charles Dickens, um, who I believe went on to write The Wire or something like that. What? <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> I just remember at the time, The Wire, they're like, it's modern Dickens. Did they? Yeah, um, that was like Yeah, the, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's you know, they good. say it's the modern Dickens. That was like the 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 sound bite that circulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I kind of, I still, I, I, yeah. They should have done a yeah. Christmas special though. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't do a Christmas special. Missed opportunity. Who would have been, who would have been Scrooge, the police, the chief, that prick police chief? The mean He's one. He's got to be Scrooge, doesn't he? Yeah, I guess so. To put, to put McNulty on the boats. Fires McNutty. Mm. That'd be good. Interestingly, it came in at 1843 and the first film adaptation was 1908. So that's like adapting a, a book that came out in the 50s now. It's like in my head it felt like so much of a gap. Like this was written, you know, mm. you know. In, well, it's, a, it's old but, you know. It's, it's just a year. I thought there were dinosaurs around and shit. <laughs> 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 wow. Wow. I can't – please don't press the astute button because that, that's the opposite. That's how timelines work for me though. There's the 1900s, then there's like people wearing frilly collars and then there were dinosaurs. Oh, no, and then there were like Romans and stuff. It's all very – you oh, know, yeah. it's like thousands and that's thousands pretty. of years, but I have like three chapters in my brain that I can kind of hmm. equate that, and that's, well, that's about all right. it. I think, I think you've nailed it actually. Maybe. Well, you, you, you weaved in the chuck the Romans in just for a little <laughs> bit of a buffer. Cover all bases. Uh, and, and when I say yeah. Romans, I mean any anyone that kind of looks like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that probably covers and a few thousand gone, years. Maybe. Yeah, why not? Um, so yeah, I'm very uh, learned. And, you know, we've said many times we're an educational learned. history podcast. I'm very learned, yeah. Yeah, learned. Now, um, really to flex my muscle here in terms of my historical astuteness, I, I, I came mm-hmm. up, Yeah, I, I don't know how to quite to interpret this point, uh, but it's interesting. So Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol during a period when the British were exploring and re-evaluating past Christmas traditions, including carols, 
and newer customs such as Christmas cards and Christmas trees. Mm. So I've, I, I guess this could be taken a few ways and I'm sure other people know the answer. Maybe you do, Greg. But the first way I was thinking, mm. was this the first, was this period the first sort of commercialization of Christmas? And was this a critique mm. on going back to what really matters in Christmas? Interesting. Because ironically, this was the book was the, the novella was released on December nineteenth and was sold out by Christmas Eve. So if it was a critique on the commercialization of Christmas, it did pretty well by it. Yeah, some, some grand irony. That's some there. meta. That's some meta Dickensian play there. Yeah, but then another point said a Christmas Carol captured the zeitgeist of the mid Victorian revival of the Christmas holiday. So is that like, or was this the period where? Christmas kind of evolved from being explicitly about Jesus and more. Because the other thing interesting about this story is it isn't, it's about Christmas obviously, but it's no, there's not much about religion in there at all. Mm, No, it's not the Father, Son and Holy Spirit visiting him. Yeah. It's more the way we celebrate Christmas in Australia too, I would argue. You know how like Christmas in Australia is almost just like Thanksgiving in a way? Because everyone does it. Like, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it's not super religious for a lot of people. It's more just. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's more just a lot of eating. Yeah, and, and um, being thankful. And eating turkey probably mm. sometimes, maybe some prawns. Mm-hmm. Or prawns wrapped in turkey. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it all figured out. Yeah, so there's something interesting here where I, maybe that's also why it's so timeless and constantly adapted in that it, it isn't so based in literal Christianity Christmas it's more just be nice to people, mm-hmm. um, which anyone can get behind, theoretically. Um, you know yeah. who could get behind it? Two writers in the 1980s named Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue, SNL writers. Oh, yeah. They had an idea. Speaking of commercialization of Christmas, what if we remade A Christmas Carol? But what if we brought it into the modern era, rated our adult comedy, and we get Bill Murray in there? Mm. Sounds like a like a like a like a green light to me. Not so fast. Bill Murray said no. Oh. Which is interesting. This is something I never considered about uh, Sir Murray before. Billy Muzz is uh, that he wasn't obviously he was, he was a breakout star from SNL. Ghostbusters had happened. Ghostbusters was huge, and his immediate follow up to that was a film called The Razor's Edge, which was a complete flop. And so mm. he's in a period of self-doubt. He's like, I've done this huge thing. Nothing I do is ever going to be as big as that. The next thing yeah. I did was a complete flop. Am I just not a movie star, basically? Mm. And somewhat ironically, he said no to a commercial Christmas project because he wanted to spend more time with his family, yada, yada, yada. But the years would pass and, and Murray would want to return to the screen and he'd go through these scripts that he's being set and they're all pretty terrible uh, but in revisiting the script for Scrooge, he thought, you know what, this one ain't too bad. Saying he loved it might be an overstatement, but he was like, you know, it's not too bad. And so he went back to those writers and he said, you know what, let's do this, but we need to rework it a little bit. Must put some more romance in there, put some more family in there and give me $6 million. Uh-huh. So again, irony <laughs> in that he got paid $6 million, which is more than the director, producer and the rest of the cast combined. Yeah. Spectacular. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> that's pretty mad. But that's probably, maybe that was a strategic strategy to get everyone to hate him on set. Well, he went beyond that for that. Uh, <laughs> 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 he gave, he was, he was trouble, man. He, so uh, Richard Donner came on to direct, never directed a comedy before, and um, he had some difficulties with Murray and pretty much everyone had some difficulties with Murray because he kind of took the script as more of a guideline mm. and um, he was bebopping and scatting all over the place. Yeah. Apparently only 40% uh-huh. of the scripted lines are in the final movie and the rest is just, you know, he's bebopping and scatting. Uh. And, and Donna, and I think it's like this weird mix because Donna hadn't done a comedy. He probably didn't know how to channel this kind of energy and in terms of also also creating an environment on set, like a lot of people had a difficult time working with Murray because they didn't know what he was doing, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, that really came through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard Donner said, it's like standing on 42nd Street and Broadway and the lights are out and you're the traffic cop. <laughs> 
So it's like yeah. he kind of just was like, how do I organize this mess? And Murray says a similar, you know, mirror image of that about Donna. When when he was asked if they had disagreements, he said, only a few every single minute of the day. <laughs> oh, dear. So he was dear, kind oh, of dear. the Scrooge on set a little bit. I mean, not in terms of, um, mm. well, I was going to say not in terms of financially, but no, yes, in terms of financially he was too. But, yeah, he was, um, again, look, this is early in his career, so he probably doesn't even know how to act like a leading man behind the scenes. He's, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, it sounds like. Mm. It looked like. He... he <laughs> I have heard stories of him being difficult in other scenarios too. Do you remember? Because in Charlie's Angels, he had a big, him and um, Lucy Liu had a thing, like a falling out. And, you know, that's that's the scenario where I don't want either of those people to not be cool. Mm. I like both of these people. Me too. And hearing some of these stories, it's like, okay, maybe he can just be a bit of a handful sometimes. Mm. Maybe he just gets in a weird zone trying to be funny and, you know, not everything lands and maybe he's... Kind of a jerk sometimes because his persona is jerky, right? So it kind of yeah, kind yeah. of makes sense. But there's an in, a sort of underlying uh, endearing quality to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But maybe he's just joking. Yeah, exactly. Lovable jerk. Anyway, they got all these people mm. together, pounded them with fake snow and bish bash bosh. You go self a movie rap party down at the Viper Room, perhaps. Mm. The East eggnog. Coast version. Some eggnog, um, some some fake snow, so to speak. The 80s after all. Let's play the trailer. 7 o'clock, Psycho sees Santa's workshop, and only Lee Majors can stop them. In the night, the reindeer die. Be here. You can't show that commercial. That thing looked like a, the Manson family Christmas special. Think I'm way off base? Yes, you're, well, you're a tad off base, sir. Frank Cross is more than the youngest network president in television history. Call security. Have them change his locks and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Watch out. He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We tried crazy glue. Have you tried staples? But his life is about to change. That was a good one. You are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week <laughs> is a washout. Anyone who thinks he hates Christmas is wrong. Go back to Jersey, you moron! It's ghosts he hates. I love that bitch! <laughs> Christmas present. Ah, ah, Bill Murray. Ah, ah, Karen Allen. It sounded like you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? John Forsythe. Ah, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Hey! You want to see me or is this a shotgun in your pocket? <laughs> you know this one? Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. Now does everybody know this one? Ah, Carol Kane. Robert Mitchum. I really care. David Johansson. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. See Bill Murray get Scrooged. Hey, back off, big man. I may work with the checks, but not with me. Man, on paper, it's it's a home run, isn't it? Mm, on paper. On paper. On paper. <laughs> What happened on the screen, Greg, though? Oh, look, Tristan, hopefully we're all familiar with this one. It's one of the most famous novellas of all time. Uh, <laughs> grumpy, rich, tight ass, hates Christmas, gets visited by three ghosts on Christmas Eve, becomes happy, everyone's happy. Mm. So this is a modern adaptation, as you've explained. Um, we have Bill Murray as a cold-hearted TV executive. He's a high flyer, you'd say. Yeah, he's flying high. Oh, Flo and I, where's Black? Calls shots. Uh, he does anything for the ratings, Tristan, anything. Uh, you know, satisfaction for him is killing an old lady by scaring her 
to death with a TV promo. That's that's what, that, he achieved that. That's what he was aiming for. <laughs> yeah, but it does feel like he's flying a little bit too close to the sun. There's a bit. Of, there's uh, well, there's a lot of tension sort of around this whole yeah, okay. setup. Uh, mm. And then he's visited by his former boss, deceased former boss, in the mm. form of a rotting corpse, who gives him a bit of a warning. You know, you're heading in the wrong direction, pal. You need to pivot. Mm. Uh, and focus on the things that matter. I, it was too late for me, but it, it's not too late for you, buddy. Yeah. you got to get your priorities straight. You're going to get visited by ghosts three. <laughs> uh, and, um, and you know, you, you got a chance to fix it here, pal. Yeah. And you know what happens from there. Uh, look, this one's meant to be a love story, but not even Karen Allen's radiant smile could spark chemistry into this phony display of <laughs> gobbledygook. <laughs> I was wondering how you'd feel about it because mm. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty much in the same spot. Mm. I watched it a couple of years ago yeah, and it was like, eh. Mm. But it's still fun to do on the podcast because you're like, yeah, wh- why is that? But then the thing is, so when I watched it this week, I actually ended up watching it twice because the first time I was just too disengaged. And then when I went to like, Write some notes. I was like, I've got nothing I to write. I haven't really like, watched it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I do actually scenario. watch this again. Yeah. You know, my new, this is so bad. So bad. But for me, a new little like trick myself into paying attention to something that I'm not that engaged in is um, watch it on my iPad with the headphones. Cause I have to like, I have to hold the iPad. And so I can't oh. like, it's similar to watching a movie on a flight. So even though the screen's not that big, you're kind of just locked in and you, you, there's literally nothing else you can do. So do you have a little buzzer button, then Ari can bring you like mini cans of Coke and Johnny yeah. Walker. Yeah, exactly. And I, I squeeze into the smallest chair in the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and don't poo right for three days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have we talked about that before? I call it jet logged. You know, after oh, a long flight, good. it's all mixed up in there. I things expand and contract and you're eating funny food. I think the food makes you constipated. I think yeah, that's part I think of the plan, put, right? Yeah, they put some additives in it to block you up so you don't – so everyone's not blocking the ship up. Every time I get on a long flight, I'm like – But you get that when you fly to Melbourne. Yeah, because I think that's more of a morning routine thing. If I have an yeah. early flight so and it's it like the co- everything's out of sequence and I miss my chance, oh, oh. man – <laughs> and then you're not on home base either. You're not home base at that point. Yeah, you're straight to the office. Uh, forget yeah. about it. And if the meeting's too quiet, you just hear the little... <laughs> like, oh, pardon. <laughs> it's almost worse than just farting. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, that was my tummy, <laughs> not my anus. <laughs> I farted inwardly, guys. Relax. <laughs> oh, the old gut fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This doesn't count as toilet humor because you don't do this in the toilet. It's the whole point. Exactly. (laughs) It's intestinal humor. (laughs) Hey, Greg, I 100% thought Tom Waits was in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I fully thought. I thought he looked familiar. And even like I watched a couple years ago, I knew who Tom Waits was then, and I just never thought about it consciously. And then, you know, hitting play, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Tom Waits, who else is in this? And it's just this other guy that kind of looks like Tom Waits, kind of, yeah, not really. I think he's Sounds also like a muser. A he is, yeah. What's his name again? David Johansson. Yeah. I don't know much about him at all. But, uh, yeah, well, so overall, your reaction to this film, Greg, uh, didn't love it? Yeah, didn't really care for it. Look, I hung in there and yeah. I was sort of going with it. But, you know, I've got, to re, I've got to resurface the old food analogy here, Tristan. The ingredients not working together. I think the last time yeah, I, okay. I used chocolate and steak and one of the friends of the show started sending us chocolate and steak recipes going, yeah, that's <laughs> still pretty delicious, mate. And I'm like, okay, yep, fair. So it's I'm going to go exception, with though. custard yeah. and mustard. Custard and mustard, baby. Mm. Custard and mustard. You know, Bill Murray is a total lord. I love him. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's I just don't think he can be Scrooge because this movie was like meant to be a comedy, but it's not really funny when he's just being a prick to everyone. Yeah. And it was just this ugly tension that was palpable. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't even they they all just seemed a little bit uncomfortable there, except Karen Allen. 
And that just the tempo was weird, man. The mood was weird. Yeah. I couldn't quite – I was like, what? It's not gelling. And the aesthetic yeah. was there because it's that sort of – it was Richard Donner and it was late 80s in New York in Christmas. That's that's a nice Yeah, the makeup aesthetic. and costumes and stuff was pretty cool That was all well. good. Um, but Bill Murray was just jarring, man. I love him, but yeah. he was jarring in this. And the whole story just didn't quite gel. And then the nail in the coffin was that final diatribe at the end where, you know, the bit where he's meant to be running down the streets buying turkeys and mm. uh, wishing people Merry Christmas. He does this awkward piece to, you know, like sort of hijacks the film. Yeah. Uh, film, hijacks the live filming and broadcasts his little speech. But it, it wasn't like, it was weird. Like it was like him having a meltdown. It was still like he was losing it was really weird. Yeah, and apparently Life Imitating Art, apparently every take they did of that he said something different and they thought he was having a breakdown. Because, it, yeah, it feels it doesn't feel as satisfying like, yeah. I mean, we all know this story. We all know the beats of this story and it didn't feel like a satisfying conclusion to a, a Ebenezer Scrooge arc. Yeah, he still seemed like the same dickhead. Yeah, he didn't like, it wasn't, he didn't quite get there. Hmm. And and overall, I agree. Like it's it's like he's too mean or something. But then it's hard to say that because that's the point. He's meant to be mean. But yeah, something about it it doesn't sit quite right. And it's funny because on paper it's one of those. Like on paper, it seems like it would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of reminds me of one of those. We're never the biggest movies, but we're just a you know, definitely make money where they just put Jim Carrey in a variety of scenarios like Liar Liar or Yes Man mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know those kinds of movies. And it just doesn't play out the same way. Like I can't put my feet. Like why? Why didn't it? Why? Why? Well, I think you made a you made an interesting. Well, you called out that a lot of it was ad libbed, and I think yeah, that maybe didn't hit the right notes in this construct, perhaps. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think um, maybe Richard Donner, because even the writer, one of the writers, the uh, Donahue guy, what did he say? He basically hated it and he said it's part of the main reason why is Richard Donner doesn't get comedy. Obviously Murray's not behaving himself but arguably a good director would know how to channel that I would say. And same mm. with the ad-libbing like theoretically, again I'm not saying I would do a better job but theoretically I would. No. I would. <laughs> theoretically. Objectively it's like, you know, speaking. The, the way like the, all those Will Ferrell, Adam McKay movies, they're all – Full of ad-libbing, but the way they do it is they do one as scripted and then fucking riff and then so much of like what Larry David says that a lot of the writing of Curb Your Enthusiasm is done in the editing suite because you've got all these different takes, these different mm, yeah, lines and how you stitch them together. And so maybe Donna just didn't know how to stitch these squillions of pieces into one cohesive piece. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was also kind of bullshit the central premise of the whole thing is kind of bullshit because as a TV executive, Christmas is not, not an important date, right? In terms of ratings? Yeah, because it's not like it's not like the day that you – it's not like the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, that's a good question. I'd be interested to know. I think – Is it different in the US maybe? It, it might be because in the UK I'm pretty sure Christmas Day or Christmas Eve everybody watches – EastEnders and what's the other one? Coronation Street or something. They do a Christmas special because right. it's cold and dark. So people are at home with their families watching TV versus us where it's sunny, well, rainy, um, sunny and we're at the beach or in the pool or barbecuing. It's very astute on your part. So I think they do have bigger ratings. I think it's a bigger deal perhaps. A lot of movies release on Christmas Day as well in the US. So that's interesting. Mm. So you, yeah, I think you're under something, Greg. Uh, it's quite astute on your part. So maybe I'm wrong on that one. I give you this one, it's Donna. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In more delightful areas of the film, it was nice to see Clamp back for two consecutive weeks. No, one off week. But, you yeah. know, two out of three weeks, Clamp is back. Of course, talking about... um, um Don Glover or something? Donald Glover? <laughs> God damn it. John Glover. John Glover. John Glover. He's wonderful. He's a breath of fresh air, isn't he? He's so good. He's like he's reaching Fickner territory for me in a different genre, of course. He's got he's this, more of a cartoon. He fo- he sort of feels a little bit like Sideshow Bob if he was alive and happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just brings like he's a ball of energy and brings this great cartoony 
charismatic yeah, things. Yeah, he's cartoony as. He's got a, a floppy, malleable, clown very likable. A likable jerk. Yeah. Like almost like um, maybe Adam Scott, you know, the jerk brother in Step Brothers, like kind of <laughs> like that where it's like I know he's a jerk but I can't help but he's great. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he's great in this. Got Carol Kane as well, big fan yeah. of Carol Kane. And we've got yeah, three yeah. Murray brothers. Oh. we got Brian Doyle Murray who plays of his course. dad. And then John Murray, I think that's the – he plays his brother. Where's the other Murray? One of the other ones. Man. Who's the other one? I forgot that was – I God forgot the – I can't find the other one. I forgot the I – was, I was just like, oh, it's the, this guy's also tried to screw the Griswolds out of a bonus. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No, Brian Doyle. Yeah. The other one. Hang on. All right. So Bill Murray. Joel Murray. Joel Murray. Who is he in this? Do you know? Um, I think a, I think he played a relative in one of the flashback things. Okay. It's interesting. They're all brothers too. He's got like even more brothers than that. But the age range is pretty wild. Because that the one that played his brother was quite young, and then the one mm. that played his father was quite old, obviously. Mm. Yeah, very interesting stuff. So it was nice to see the whole gang there, mm-hmm. family affair, mm. delightful. Mm. Oh, and having Clamp back in there actually connected a few dots for me because I, I said to you during the week, "Oh, damn it, I have I have a good pitch for Gremlins three, which I didn't say in our Gremlins episode." In hindsight, maybe this movie actually inspired it because I was saying Gremlins, okay, Gremlins one. Pretty great Christmas. Hey, you missed the boat, buddy. It's last week. Well, it's, it relates to this movie. It relates to this movie because this the way they did this movie is kind of what my pitch for Gremlins three would be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, go on. So go Gremlins on. one, Gremlins one, good Christmas comedy horror. Gremlins two, meta satire on sequels and Gremlins itself. Gremlins three, take it one step even more meta. And Gremlins 3 should be about the making of Gremlins 3, but then it turns out there are real Gremlins or something, yada, yada, mm. yada, hilarity ensues, But which is what this movie is. It's a story of Scrooge while they're making the story of Scrooge mm. within the movie. Um, and so you just put John Glover in there and bish, bash, bosh, he goes self movie. Yeah. And actually this might even be more meta than Gremlins 2 because you got Bill Murray's character trying to make – a Christmas Carol, and then he gets a Christmas Carol or Scrooged, as it were. Um, but then, even the making of this movie, the studio jerks wanted them to work through Christmas. Mm-hmm. How it's layers upon layers upon layers. Yeah, there is layers, isn't it? Yeah, apparently Richard Donner. Again, I feel like I shot on him before. He sounds like a very nice man because he, 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 while he alludes to the challenges with Murray, he's, he never says he's not good. Like he's very respectful. Anyway, another nice thing he did was he fired everyone on Christmas Eve or something and then rehired them two days later so that everyone could have Christmas off. Oh, what a gesture. Yeah, apparently. What a gesture, a delightful little gesture. I hope they didn't have to. But what about the people who had the HR people? Were they considered in this? They've got to work through all those firings and hirings. <laughs> have to do all these exit interviews, file all this paperwork <laughs> on Christmas. It's actually you've doubled our workload over Christmas. <laughs> visas, sometimes bastards. there's visas considerations. People might have been deported. Oh, my God. Richard Donner, you villain. But deported and then go back to their country of origin and what, Tristan? That's right, be with their families. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. It doesn't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to save that point for later. <laughs> hey, Greg, pretend I didn't say that reminds me. Let's, uh, let's go somewhere else. The reality is there's been a lot of adaptations of this film Starting mm-hmm. in 1908, I think there's been like 50 or so adaptations and like uh, pretty much one every decade. Wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. There's been at least one in every decade. Um, and so it, it suits itself well to an adaptation. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of, it's pretty easy to pick up this template and apply it to today, like literally the Scrooged version because you could see it being one of the tech billionaires instead of a TV executive like how culture has shifted because the 
the tech billionaires are sort of the TV executives of today. Um, so you could do it with with old with old Zuck. You could do mm-hmm. it as a sequel to the Social Network, perhaps a Christmas Android. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you could have Eduardo or whatever his name was, who's the old business partner that's the first ghost that comes, and then maybe the ghost of present is Bill Gates and future is Elon Musk or something. Or Ooh, wouldn't oh you'd have I reckon you'd have Murdoch as the ghost of Christmas. Oh yeah, the ghost of media's past. Yeah, but they actually all encourage him to be more of a jerk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or alternatively, you get all the different ghosts because I think in the in the Zemeckis one where it's Jim Carrey in the CGI one, Jim Carrey plays all the ghosts. So in a similar riff on that, what if Mm. what if you had all the people that have portrayed um, Zuck on screen? Oh. Oh. Play the different versions. So Jesse Eisenberg plays Ghost of Christmas Past, Andy Samberg, Present, and then the robot from Star Trek, Future. <laughs> yeah, <the> yeah. <laughs> and oh, in the really end he gives the like. Winklevoss twins a turkey. What, what was the last bit? In the end he gives the Winklevoss twins a turkey. <laughs> a poison turkey. And Christmas is saved. And then you throw you throw yeah. Charlie Day in there instead of Bobcat. Yeah. You've just nailed a recast. Yeah, he's very... He is Bobcat of now, isn't he? He kind of is, isn't he? Also, Bobcat's thing, does he have a thing or does he just choose to talk like that? I think he just chooses to talk like that. Yeah, well, based on this, we just got a bit of an origin story. Yeah. I've, I used to think his name was Bobcat Wildcat. Did I say that in the Police Academy episode? <laughs> yeah. I still did yeah. today. I Googled I him, always, Bobcat Wildcat. That always pops into my head now. You've plant, you incepted me. Well, somewhat serendipitously... The YouTube algorithm recommended a video I watched yesterday, which was Jerry Seinfeld talking about someone he hates, which is very rare. Mm. And he doesn't say the name, Newman. but as he as he continues talking, it becomes relatively obvious that it's Bobcat, because I remember hearing that there was some beef there. Like Bobcat was talking shit about him all the time. They're on completely different planes, so it's fascinating that this was ever a thing. But I've got the clip here because it's fascinating. It's it's from Comedians in cars getting coffee, and Ooh. and it's pretty. I've never seen. Well, I guess real life Seinfeld is a lot more curmudgeonly than than the TV show character. But so I guess he is a bit more negative overall. A bit a bit closer to Larry David in real life than uh-huh. than. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I guess it's not that out of character to see him being a bit a bit sharp. negative. But I've never heard him say it explicitly about a, another human before. Mm. And this is with comedian guest Bridget Everett, who I don't know a ton about, but she's in it. You know, my I'm good friends with and that's his I don't friend. like him I, at all. Oh, no. At all. So they censored the In name, fact, I have a but. particular oh, no. feeling about him. Oh, I had kind of forgotten about him. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little article about him in the paper. Mm-hmm. And even in that, there was a veiled reference to his dislike of what I did. Really? Anyway, it didn't have my name, of course. He used to rail against comedians because they weren't as wild and dangerous yeah. as he yeah. was because he sucked. <laughs> okay? He wasn't funny. Yeah. And that's why he didn't get anywhere. Yeah. Period. <laughs> this feels, I feel very tense right Because <laughs> in comedy, yeah. nobody gives a f- yeah. if you're cool, if you're lame, yeah. if you're funny, you win. Yeah. If you're not funny, you yeah. don't. And yeah. he's not funny. That's why I had to do that stupid f- voice. Because you have no f- act. I feel very stressed. Yeah. You could tell him, by the way, all of that. <laughs> and that's why he didn't like me. Because I could actually do it. I well, can do it. I can do savage. comedy. Yeah. But you can- he can't. <laughs> And that's why he doesn't like me. Yeah. That's what that's about. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen you like this before. Yeah, I've never been like this before. <laughs> and I'll tell you where else it came from. <laughs> no, <laughs> everything's fine. I'm just kidding. Stupid. <laughs> She's bailing. You're not scary or dangerous. Oh, my you're God. Just, you're just weak. On stage, that's what you are. Weak. Oh my God. You're a weak act. I, I love him. 
this... You can love him. He's, he's going to need the love because he's not going to get oh, it from the public. Oh, my God. Because you don't have any skills. Oh, my God. You don't have any talent. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for her. Yeah. She brought it up. Yeah, I don't know what the context was of her bringing it up, but... Mm. <laughs> he took in it case down. You missed it, the first thing she says was like, I'm good friends with blah, blah, blah. And then, I mean, she's in a weird position because can she defend her friend? Probably not. <laughs> she yeah. just has to let it, let it play out. Yeah, like he's a, <laughs> he's a good person. So funny, man. So funny. Yeah. Uh, hey, Greg, I did some important investigative research. Oh, you did? Because you know how um, Bill Murray's boss is like, hey, you know how many dogs there are in America? Mm-hmm. 48 million. They're going to start watching TV soon. Yeah. Guess how many dogs there are in America now? 200 million. 76.8 million, not far off. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that that's what we call in podcast prep and research a bit of a dead end because it's not all that interesting. Mm. But I thought I'd share it. <laughs> it is interesting. Um, you know, we could we could go on to say that there has been a rise in pet-related content on the TV. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, some especially when Seymour was a puppy, there's all these YouTube videos that it's like uh, calming music for puppies and that kind of yeah. shit. So when you go out, you put that shit on. So maybe he wasn't so wrong. Exactly. There you go, point validated. I think you're definitely validated there, as as was the director. <laughs> the director, the president, whatever he was. The, head, the, the parent company guy, I guess. Oh, uh, that also reminds me. There was uh, there were some similarities here with this movie and the television program, Thirty Rock. Did you ever watch? Are you a Thirty Rockman? Yeah, yeah. Love Thirty because Rock because the, t- the the I was the just trying to remember rich... the specifics of what you. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Well, you've got Alec Baldwin in a bit of a Scroogey type of role mm. mm-hmm. um, as the as the TV executive. You've got a live show, which is what what Tina Fey's character runs mm-hmm. um, and, you know, all the hilarity in between. His <laughs> heart grows over the seasons. As the seasons unfold, he becomes less of a robot and more of a sweet human and their relationship really blossoms in a nice yeah. way. But then the other thing I was thinking was, oh, shit, because uh, Alec Baldwin's character on that is loosely based on Lorne Michaels. Correct. We've, we've discussed previously also Lorne Michaels. <laughs> Exactly. That's my Lord Michaels. We go way back. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, this is probably this is another Lord Michaels because also this is written by SNL guys, played by an SNL guy, mm-hmm. and um, and this is you know to as internet research goes, I like to do my own research, Greg. Do your own yeah, research. You do your own, do your own research. research. And so I, what I did was, just like people that do their own research, I, I looked for things that validate the point of view I already yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. And I found one. And I found one where Bill Murray said that, yes, he did base his performance on Lorne Michaels. So there you go. He said, um, ah. I'm sure Lorne would be thrilled to hear that he was the model for the character. Um, he pulled some real numbers when we were at NBC, particularly on the network guys, to get what he wanted. To get what he wanted, he'd go into screaming fits, major stuff like that, and he was really good at it. So there you go. And I think at one stage you got visited by three Christmas ghosts potentially as well. Did that? So there you have it. Yeah, that is fascinating and good validation of your thought. Yeah. Did you I didn't want to find something that disagreed up? with it? Yeah, no, of course. Similarly, I bought I bought some new running shoes yesterday and after I purchased them, I kept googling it until I found a positive review of them so I could feel good about my purchase. How long did that take? Not too long, but the first one I Red was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Did you get that's the not good enough for again? me. I want to. No, well, the Nike store wasn't on sale, and then so I, I rolled the dice and saw so Adidas. Oh yeah, and uh, they're like, yeah, it's okay. But these are serious runners running marathons and shit. Man, yeah. I'm running like two kilometers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think um, it just has to just has to hold up my weight. You should be okay. Yeah, I'll be fine. But again, you know, us fascinating creatures we call humans and our fucking research. <laughs> We're all idiots. Anyway. What are the – so the adaptations you were talking about, have you seen many? Uh, at first I thought no, but then I was looking at them. Even some of the old-timey ones look familiar, so I must have just seen them over the years yeah. growing up or something. Definitely Muppets. But there's a Looney Tunes, Flintstones and Smurfs. Have you seen any of those? There's a, yeah, there's a Mickey one. 
Okay. Hey, I don't remember Scrooge that one. Scrooge McDuck, mate. Scrooge McDuck. Oh, yeah. Okay. Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So did he first appear in an adaptation of not this? Sh- not sure. That would have been a good level of detail to have for this podcast, wouldn't it? Now that I've raised yeah. it. Well, we asked all the big questions here. I'll say yes. Um, listeners, let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, or was it like here was a character and then they're like, oh, when we do a Christmas well, Carol, he can obviously be. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah, he was I mean, named anyway. after him and then and then they did the, then they, yeah, they went, oh, we better do a Christmas Carol. Exactly. Could uh, be. Yeah. The There is a new one apparently that FX have released in the States like a couple of years ago. It looks good. It's it's um It's got um, our guy... Uh, Guy Pierce as Scrooge. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, yeah, and apparently it's Guy dark, Pierce has had an unexpected dark career. and gritty. Yeah, well, he's very talented. He's a very talented man. I enjoy. He's very talented, but enjoy his work. But I thought he would be more of a leading man. But he's kind of just stayed under the radar as an interesting character guy. Yeah, he's done so lots always of things. Interesting. I he must have a he likes to put on some makeup. I feel like he would have a satisfying career. You know? Yeah, I think so. He's kind of got, it's in that sweet spot of doing interesting things, doing interesting characters, like, you know, so you got a bit of like Johnny Depp in there. Like, not that he acts like Johnny Depp, but I just mean in terms of. Yeah. Doing, no, he doesn't play the same character all the time. He does interesting things. Yeah. And he's gotten to be leading man in certain things, but yeah, he's in this interesting altitude of just getting all. A nice mix of all things without being too famous, without being overexposed and all that kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. He's an artiste. He is an artiste. Oh, I just Googled it. So this, yeah, oh, so this yeah. Christmas Carol one, it's pretty dark. I think it's British. Um, it's oh, written by circus. Stephen Knight. Where do we know him from? Who, well, Eastern Promises um, and what else? Oh. Something else massive. Um, hang on. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah, because it's... Um, which I never realised it was the same guy until very recently. Well, um, it's got a few Peaky Blinders actors in there too and a yeah. few Guy Ritchie actors in there. Tom Tom Hardy's in there. Um, Ridley yeah, Scott's good. the EP or one of the EPs. So this looks like the... It looks legit. Ah. It's got a pretty... I reckon it's worth checking out. I'm going to watch that this very Christmas. Back in London or England. So... Um, you know, it gets a bit more probably to the core of the Dickens, uh, the Dickens classic. It's like a, it's like a modern The Wire. I heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's got, <laughs> it's mean, got like Stephen Graham, who's that guy who's become more and more famous recently. He's in. He's the guy in uh, Snatch that goes to buy. Oh yeah, I like dogs. The guy that you know the. Yeah. The guy that goes to the. Yeah. Um, the. Gypsy or well, Travellers Parks. Um, the guy that always plays Capone? Yes. Yeah, he's sort of getting more hardcore lead, sort of closer to lead roles of late. Yeah. So, man, it's like a uh, – that it's got to be good. I'm calling it. I haven't seen it, but I'm in. Wow. I'm into it. I'm going to watch it for show. Yeah. I need three, to watch a better episodes. version of this. I might juxtapose that with the Muppets. Maybe do a little marathon. Yeah, Christmas, Christmas Carol Christmas. A little light and dark. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just on um, just on Dickens adaptations, more broadly yeah, speaking, it's... there's obviously been a few. Um, yeah, quite a few old timey ones. The Wire. Yeah, The Wire, of course, <laughs> as we all know. Um, <laughs> did you know that uh, Dark Knight Neighbors? is like Sorry. apparently <laughs> Tale of Two Cities? Oh, really? Yeah, old mate. Um, Old mate came out and said that it's heavily influenced by the story of a tale of two cities, but he's added in more clocks and a lot of bumps, of course, and and just the right amount of William Fickner. Actually, not enough William Fickner, if you Fickner. ask me. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> what were you going to say? Interesting. I was going to say, Greg, um, that I didn't understand when Bill Murray tried to throw water in that guy because he thought he was on fire. I didn't understand the line, I'm sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. I didn't understand what that, what that meant. What did did it you mean? understand what that meant? Apparently what it meant was um, there was an incident where Richard Pryor was freebasing cocaine and actually accidentally set himself on fire and ran down a busy street in Los Angeles. <laughs> wow. 
That's a, wow. That's wow. I just that's wild. I just thought, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of washed over me, but um, I thought maybe because Pryor was so raw, and yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, he sweated a lot. On the, I used to have watch a stand-up special of his, and he got real wet, sweaty. I was <laughs> man, like, "Isn't that?" They're so good, those specials. Have you have you seen many? So oh, good, man. If you've got a spare, well, just do yourself a favor if you haven't watched Richard Pryor stand up. It's like it makes Eddie Murphy's eighties and nineties stuff look tame. It's like he, it's where yeah. it's where he he sort of molded himself on Richard Pryor, really, didn't he? Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, Murphy's got that Richard Pryor bit in Raw, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this movie exists. Mm. Um, you got anything else? Uh, no, I don't really. The only thing I would probably say is there was a good depth of cast here. The um, Yeah. Uh, the lady who played his receptionist. Yeah, um, she's great. I forgot Alfred, to bring her up. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, Alfred Woodard, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah. I always forget her name, um, yeah. but she's a she's a baller. She's had an epic career. She's had like noms and in all the mates. She's got like four Emmys for a heap of stuff. And oh man, she's got two Grammy nominations for best spoken word albums. So she does some kind oh, of spoken really? word stuff. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, she's got layers. Layers, we like layers, mm-hmm. don't we? Mm-hmm. Like an onion. Mm. Worth a shout out, I thought. I want to go deeper on her now. Well, maybe, maybe there'll be another movie soon where we can shed some more light on that. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into the verdict. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Tell you what, Greg, I think I would rather watch The Day the Reindeer Died, which was, you know, the <laughs> opening of this movie. <laughs> Where Lee Majors shows up and oh, shit that Santa yeah. with machine guns. I think I'd rather watch that than watch this. Yeah. Um <laughs> not to say that I think this has zero value. I don't think it's like never a rewatch, but it's definitely not an annual thing for me in terms mm. of Christmas movie. Yeah. Maybe once every five to ten years. Mm. I do think because people call this a cult classic, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we just have a lower bar for Christmas movies because so much of it is actually just nostalgia. Yeah. Versus something being good. You just watch it. For tradition's sake, yeah. So, so I think this gets gets to go in the rotation sometimes, but I don't. It's definitely not one of the good ones for yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. How about you? It would loud. It would be allowed to be on in the background when I'm doing Christmas based activities. It would be allowed. Yeah. Yeah. But quietly. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be getting my attention. Yeah. Sorry, Will. Bill. Yeah. Billiam. Billiam. Bill is short for Billiam, <laughs> I assume. So you're in the same boat then? Yeah, man. Yeah. This didn't hit the notes for me. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. And which, and you know, I love all the ingredients, but it was custard mustard. Custard mustard. A little bit like getting mustard on your Christmas pudding, thinking it's custard. Oh, exactly. Hot English. Although maybe that'll end up being delicious and someone will point that out to us. Um, yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Did Simpsons do it? I don't think they did this explicitly, but they've done, they've done Christmas Carol a few times. Why, you, sir, what day is it? Why, sir, it's Christmas Day, not you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I got my, today, sir, why it's Christmas Day? I say that all the damn time <laughs> for no reason. I just really enjoy saying it. Um, porn parody, I didn't really look that up because, you know, uh, some sometimes you don't really want to fuck with that. <laughs> Bechdel test, no. I feel like Although- Christmas Carol porn... Parody would feature a starlet named Carol. <laughs> yeah, probably. Which, um, this may be the first, this may be the only adaptation of a Christmas Carol that had nipples in it. Was there nipples? Oh yeah, so the maybe, tops of nipples. There's areola. Yeah, there's yeah. areola. So this is maybe the closest thing to a porn parody. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? We'll, we'll never know. FX test though, Greg. I'd say yeah, this has got a nice. Aesthetic to it, mm-hmm. with the makeup and such, yeah, the corpsiness yeah. of it all. I di- yeah. I did like 
that element. Mm-hmm. Even the little red veins on fake Tom Waits's face, like there was some good. Yeah, he had those, some ears as well. Capillaries or whatever mm, they're called. Capillaries. Yeah. Um, mm. The RSL blush. A recast is. I had a couple earlier, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Zuckerberg. Yeah, I like that. Got any? No, no. I'll <laughs> leave. Yours was good. We'll leave it at that. As our collective thought. <laughs> yeah. Man, MVP. I think I'm just gonna give it to. John Glover, Mr. Clamp again, because I don't know, there's not much else going on here that delighted me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind the Ghost of Christmas Past. John Glover. Um, yeah, true, Alfred actually. Woodard, uh, actually, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe it was him. Because he was good. He went all in. Faux Tom Waits was good. Tom Waits. We'll give it to yeah, Tom he Waits. He really went all in. He was very excitable. Mm. Let's give it to Tom Waits. <laughs> Send him an award. <laughs> I don't even remember doing that. <laughs> ah. And send it to Nick Nolte as well, why not? Yeah, exactly. What are we doing next week? Are we doing Jingle All The Way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Nothing but the hits. Nothing but, <laughs> but the, the hits. hits. Nothing but the hits. Big this is what happens yeah. when we've done Home Alone 1, 2, Die Hard and whatever else. Yeah. We still haven't done Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, Saving yeah. the big guns. I forgot about that this year. Three or four. Is this our third <laughs> Christmas? I guess so. Yeah, because we did Die Hard the first year. Then we did Griswold last year. Yeah, shit. Oh, yeah. Is that fourth Christmas? No. Third. Third. Who knows? No, well, you can't tell. We'll never know. You'll never know. Oh, how could I forget, Greg? I got a lovely message from a friend of the show this morning. Oh, yeah? friend of the show by the name of uh, Mr. Frank Dukes. Oh, Frank Dukes. Should I, a video message. Should I play it? I'll play it, yeah. Great Frank Dukes. The great oh. Frank Dukes. Here he is with oh, a, a turkey Lord. filter on his face. Now, to be fair, this is, a, this is obviously he sent this to everyone on his phone. It's not ex- just for us. And here's what he has to say. Hey, everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah, I couldn't bring myself to kill the turkey. What can I tell you? Anyways, I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season, and um, I'm just making friends this year. That's all I want to do. So hopefully you have a blessed, uh, happy holiday and a great Thanksgiving, and don't forget what the day's all about, sharing happiness and love with friends and family and giving thanks for all that we have. Good on you, Frankie. Woo, that's a lovely note from the great He's a Frank nice man. Dukes. He is, he is, he is. He's a controversial figure for many, but at the end of the day, he's been very lovely to us. He sure. Much respect has. to Mr. Frank Dukes. All right, peeps, we will check in again next week. Yeah, for our final <laughs> episode of the year for some reruns. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.